everyone, this is Indiana Ag Shop Talk with your host, Tanner Coulter. On this show, we bring industry experts on to provide value and to improve your farm operation each and every show. Today, we're going to dive into the discussion of LLCs and how they can help your farm operation. We've got a great guest with us today that you've probably seen around, whether that's at national farm shows speaking or writing articles in several different industry publications. John Schwartz is an attorney based here in Indiana in Royal Center. He grew up in northern Indiana where he ran a large grain operation um, until here recently. So he has that farm background. He also is a graduate of Tri-State University with an engineering degree and he got his law degree from the Indiana University School of Law. Go Hoosiers there. John currently still runs his firm Schwartz Law Office, like I said, based in Royal Center, Indiana. Welcome, John. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. Excited to have you on. So uh, let's kind of jump back a little bit in time. Kind of tell us where you grew up, um, where you're from, and how you became a lawyer and going from an engineering degree, jumping into a uh, law career. Okay. Well, I, I, I grew up in LaGrange County, which is northeast Indiana. Um, I started farming when I was about three years old with my cast iron John Deere pedal tractor in my parents' driveway and uh farmed farmed ever since i um i did go as you mentioned i did get an engineering degree uh from tri-state university worked out as an engineer for a couple of years got tired of getting laid off in the automotive industry because it's usually up or down and um i actually went to law school to be a patent attorney and um i got to do some patent work i i found it utterly boring if you like reading like your dishwasher manual on how your dishwasher works you'd love patent law, right? But I always liked how things worked. Uh, uh, and so that's what kind of drew me to that. So I went to law school and one day I was sitting down in the, uh, the student, I can't remember what we were, where we studied at. And one of the students came and said, Hey, and they knew I was a farmer. And they said, you've been down the career center. I said, no. I said, well, there's some like farm ag internship thing they're advertising. Okay. So I went down and looked at it and it was Indiana farm bureau. Uh, for a summer intern in their legal affairs department. So I ended up getting a, an internship there. And um, during that time, it really dawned on me that there were very, very few people. As I would interact with different professionals in the legal industry, it didn't take me long to realize that there are not too many people in the legal profession that know anything about farming. And um, so I decided that, you know, ag law was... You know, my passion's been agriculture and that I could continue that passion if I was, uh, you know, went into the area of ag law. So I came back home and uh, to LaGrange County after law school and, and practiced there. When I came home, we were farming about 500 acres. Uh, it wasn't too so long after that, probably about 2014, uh, we were farming 4,000 acres. And, you know, I've told people that being a full-time attorney, farming 4,000 acres and uh, having three young boys just got to be too much. And um, we had some, we got some really good neighbors that we basically work with now. Um, I can go out and, you know, I, I can be involved as much or as little as I want. And my wife is from Cass County, Indiana, where I'm at now. And basically to be closer to family, uh, we relocated down here because I only have my two parents in LaGrange County. My siblings are all across the country. And when my parents are gone, we have nobody in LaGrange County. So we bought a farm down here, moved down here, bought a farm. 
So I, I still get to farm. I just do it on a much smaller scale uh, with a lot less stress. Um, it's amazing when you don't have to rely on hired help, uh, how much less stressful that is. And um, I, I have the, the, the law office here in the Royal Center, which is only about five minutes from my, uh, from my farm. And I get to enjoy the best of both worlds. I get to be involved in farming and, and I get to help farmers. And I really enjoy that. Awesome. So a little bit um, on your firm. I know you do obviously a lot on the ag side with your background. What all do you guys do kind of on the ag side for farmers? Just let people kind of know what exactly you guys all do. Well, I, I think one of the real, I'll kind of call it specialty areas is um, I do USDA wetland violations. You know, when, when someone goes out and, and, and tiles something they shouldn't, I, I, I do, um, uh, you know, people with, help people with USDA program benefits uh, the, with, you know, if they're, you know, getting the farm set up so you can be sure you're going to be eligible um, pretty much all things USDA. Um, thankfully, a lot of those things on my farm, like, you know, we had a wetland violation before, so I know what that's like, okay? Um, and, and a lot of these things uh, dealing with the FSA, I've had firsthand on my farm, so I kind of understand what is, uh, you know, I, I can, I look at it both from the legal side, but also as a farmer side. Um, help farmers with green contracts, so those are kind of the areas I think that are really ag. I mean, that, to me, that is the true ag law. But we also, uh, we do a lot of farm estate succession planning. We do a lot of, you know, setting the farm up with the multiple LLCs um, for farmers. Uh, we do, you know, I, I do ag litigation. Uh, you know, there's a, most of my, pretty much all my cases now are, are, are helping farmers with, with court cases. Um, we do uh, crop insurance, you know, uh, farmer has issues with crop insurance and, um, and, and, you know, and I've had that too. I've had a claim denied before and had to, had to go and, 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 uh, you know, try to get that, that rectified. I, I tell people pretty much, you know, there's so much, the ag law cuts such a wide swath through the regular law, you know, I mean, you know, your contracts and, and litigation and estate succession planning and entity creation. It just goes on and on. About the only thing that I don't do is I, if I could, I don't do any, uh, I don't do any uh, workers' comp and I don't do any criminal law. Besides that, if it's farm related, we're pretty much something we can handle. That's awesome. Okay. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring you on is your Evers background on the ag side with how much you've helped out and I've seen your discussions um, on LLCs and how you think they're so important um, I kind of agree with you on that side or I totally agree with you there so um, let's kind of dive into that discussion what, what's your kind of reasoning why you think um, every farm should have LLCs and kind of how you want those structured you know I always tell people that if I could if I had a magic wand in my drawer I could pull out and really make a change with what farmers do. It would be utilizing LLCs in their farm operation. The, the studies show that 85% of your farms in this country are still sole proprietors. Okay? They're not an LLC. They're not a corporation. They're not a limited partnership. 
But when you look at general business, okay, it does a flip. 85%, 86% of general businesses are set up that way. So why is it that, you know, farming is big business with way more, most of the time, way more um, assets at stake than maybe somebody that's running a barber shop or a floral shop? Yet, why is that floral shop and barber shop set up as an LLC, but the farmer that is, you know, has millions of dollars in assets uh, is not set up, um, is, is, is very, um, it's a challenge. Okay. I think that number one is, I don't think people, the reason I believe LLC should be incorporated in the farm is because the, the benefits you get are just outstanding. You know, number one, you get liability protection. I always tell people, what does limited liability company mean? And nobody ever answers that question. What I mean, what that means is your liability is limited to the value of the company. Okay. If you have a farm operation that really doesn't own anything, okay, it has other entities that, you know, it has a land LLC, it has a machinery LLC, a truck LLC, your worst day in court is generally going to be the value of that farm operation. And if it doesn't own any equipment and if it doesn't own any land, about the only thing it owns is growing crops, which nobody wants, okay, and, and grain. Uh, depending on what grains are stored, is stored. Okay, so that's like the value of the farm operation, and that's your worst day in court. I tell people if an LLC has a pencil, if its own asset is a pencil, your worst day in court with that LLC is you lose your pencil. Okay, so as far as minimizing the risk, you know we spend a lot of money uh, on insurance each year as farmers. You know sometimes I think I've got insurance for my insurance. Okay, and you still need that, okay? But I remind people that, number one, these jury verdicts, you know, your semi hits somebody and kills them, you may see a $10 million lawsuit or worse, a jury verdict where you go to court and they show you were negligent driving that truck and it's $10 million. Well, I don't know if I've met a farmer yet as a client that has over $10 million in liability coverage. And so, yes, you need insurance, but with the LLC, you know, number one, it, it kind of mitigates the, you know, if the, the biggest asset you have is your insurance policy, that's usually, that's usually what people will settle for, okay? Uh, on top of that, I remind people that, you know, insurance companies deny claims, right? Just because you got insurance and you think you got this parachute and you jump out of the plane and you're going to have this parachute as insurance, you know what? Sometimes that parachute doesn't open. And you better have some sort of backup or, or you're going to be wiped out. And so I think number one is from the liability standpoint. And, and I, I have these conversations with farmers a lot of times and, and not so much anymore because of the way society is going. But they'll be like, well, I've never been sued, John. And I say, well, I've never won the lottery either, but it could happen. All right. And I think all you have to do to see the liability that you incur is get in the combine or get in a tractor and drive down the road nowadays. You know, people used to pull over and, and now they're too busy on their cell phone and, and, and texting and whatever else. And I've told people, if you're over that center line in the road, you're going to be at fault because you're not supposed to be over the center line. 
Okay, and and if they hit you, even if they hit you, the jury could find you were mostly liable because you didn't move over. And some of these roads, as you you may know, with this machinery, you can't move over. <laughs> there's a ditch. There's a pole. There's these other things. I mean, it's a nightmare moving farm machinery in a lot of places now. So I think the biggest, you know, what farmers can take away is that you really need to stack the deck in your favor, and you can do that with the LLC. Yeah, I agree. I mean. On the risk management insurance side of things, we see, I mean, how much is enough? A lot of farmers just have a million dollar umbrella policy. And we've got farmers that got up to 10, but what really is enough? So I believe in that, that LLCs have that protection there because you don't know. I mean, like you said, if you have some semi and you do something wrong, or maybe you have an employee that does something wrong and they hit a family, you, you don't know what can happen. So it's, I think that's smart there to be protected. Uh, on the LLCs, kind of what what are you? What's the four LLCs that you always discuss? How they should have their operation kind of separated. I tell people generally that if they do one thing, if they listen to one thing I say, please put the land over into the in an LLC. If you're gonna if you're gonna listen to one thing that old John says here, that's the one thing. Because number one, it gets that land protected. It is very difficult for land to cause an injury. Yeah. Okay. We in Indiana, especially, we passed some uh, recreational use laws a few years wow. back that basically says this: unless you dig a Burmese tiger pit, you know, and the, with the spikes in it, and some, you know, that you're to catch a trespasser, right? You really don't have a. You have no duty. To people coming on your land, okay. A trespasser, you have no duty to warn. You just can't. I always say, don't hurt them, leave them alone. You know, uh, if if I ask, if I stop to ask to hunt on your property, you you really have no duty to warn me. Now, it's always best, generally, if you know there's a danger. Hey, in that back forty acres, there's a really mean three thousand pound bull. Don't go in there, okay. But unless you're charging, unless you're charging for people to come out, when you let people, when you gratuitously open your land to come on, people to come on your land, you really, the law has removed most of your duty to warn. You always heard these horror stories of, you know, somebody was walking across the field, trips over a rock, cracks her head open, sues the farmer because they didn't pick the rock. Not so much anymore, okay? So from a land standpoint, it is, it, it's, I think you can get that in there and the chances of that company being sued are very low. On top of that, there's two other huge, huge advantages to putting the land in an LLC. Number one, I always tell people, if you hate your kids, and most people don't, maybe some do, but when you pass away, put everybody on the deed. Just have everybody on the deed. Let's, pick four, let's say you have Peter, Paul, and Mary, okay? You leave them on the deed. Peter wants to farm it. Paul wants to cash lease it. And Mary likes CRP. There's no rules. There are no rules. Each, each one of them owns an undivided interest in each one of those acres. And they all have the right to use their undivided interest. Okay. So, and, and, and in 2012, I believe it was, we passed a really bad law here in Indiana, in my opinion, that any person that owns an interest in co-owned property can force a sale of the entire property. So if me and you own property together, you want to sell, I don't, you can go to court, file a partition action. If we don't agree on how to split it, it just gets sold. Okay. When you have an LLC, you have a rule book. Okay. And that rule book, 
uh, you know, needs to say, well, what happens when someone wants bought out? What happens when one of the members dies? What happens if we have someone that wants to farm it? How do we determine what they pay? What do we, how do we determine what the lease rate is? On and on and on. I tell clients all the time, if you pass your farm ground in an LLC with a nice rule book over to the children, that can do go a long way to keeping people out of court and keeping the farm together, all right? Generally, the kids can change all the rules if they can change the rules if they all agree, right? If they don't, then what you've written is what you've written, and that's how the, that's how the land is going to be taken care of. On top of that is with an LLC, let's say you have this pie, right? And you have 100 slices of pie. When it comes to nursing homes, Medicaid recovery, where they come back in and against your state because you're in the nursing home for four or five years. Um, and who knows with how this federal state tax, uh, where we're going to end up with that with uh, under the new administration, what they're talking. But when you give a little bit of that company away, let's say Jack and Diane, their mom and dad, and they own that company 50-50, okay? If they give a little bit of ownership to Peter, Paul, and Mary each, now no one owns more than 49%, okay? If you own 49% in the company, you really own nothing because the other people can outvote you 51% to 49% all day long every day, right? So... The for estate tax purposes, the IRS allows you to take a different valuation on that LLC. So that's benefit number one. We could we could have ten million dollars worth of land and buy some a little bit of gifting and the right structure. We could we could cram that down to let's say five million dollars. Okay. So especially if this estate tax exemption that's eleven million dollars now drops down, we're going to have to utilize that for a lot of farmers. Number two, if a person goes into a nursing home and has a large bill with the nursing home or with Medicaid, Medicaid can come back on that estate. You know, there is a, there's, it's called the estate recovery group. And here in Indiana, it's out of, it's out of Indianapolis and they can lean up your estate. Okay. And the estate has to sell something. Well, when the estate only owns 49% of an LLC, let's say dad dies, owns 49%. Who's going to buy that? Now, who's going to buy 49% to be outvoted by mom and the kids, 51 to 49 every time? There has never been, okay, and, and I, I, I follow this, and it has never been where the estate recovery has come back on an LLC in Indiana. Because you would have to, basically, you'd have to sue the LLC, they'd have to sue the other members, they'd have to force those members to sell. It, 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 it's not, it's cost prohibitive, Okay. So most of the time, the, the estate recovery, you know, goes after assets that, you know, I mean, if you have 40 acres in your estate, that's pretty easy, right? You, they tell you to sell it, you list it with an auctioneer, there you go, okay? So we can do a lot of planning, even for those folks that don't, and most farmers don't have, don't have long-term nursing home insurance, okay? I'd say one out of 10 of my, client, of my clients do. And after you get to age about 60 and have any sort of health problem, good luck paying for it it's expensive. Okay. So just by using that LLC, we can, we can do a phenomenal amount of planning because, you know, I, I think everyone knows of a farm in their area that had to get sold to, you know, well, had to pay the mercy home or, you know, Medicaid came in. We all have seen that. 
And just a little bit of planning go a long way. So I'm giving you a very long answer to a short question. But I think number one, if I had, if people would listen to one thing that I say, it would be put the farm into an LLC. Okay. Go ahead. Wait for, you jump back to put the LLC to protect it from like the nursing home and their estate there. Uh, is there any look back period, anything if they do that? There's a five, there's a five year look back period if you gift. Okay. A lot of times, um, you know, when people are healthy, we can say we can gift this tax free. And I'm talking, you can, you know, you can gift right now, you can give $15,000 of value tax free. You only fill out a gift tax return. Or you can gift up to $11 million. You just got to fill out a gift tax return. Um, so mom and dad can gift to the three children, in my example, tax free. Nobody pays a tax. And now, now they are basically in a probation period for Medicaid. Okay, meaning that if you had to sign up for Medicaid, they would look at the value of the gift and they do a formula and your benefits would be reduced by a certain amount. Okay, now for people that people that are maybe not in as good shape, you know, we think, boy, we're not going to make that. Okay, well, then sell the interest. If you sell it for a bona fide, you know, for the for the fair market value. And okay, and again, what's one percent of an LLC worth? You know, okay. Um, that, that, that's not a gift. That's perfectly permissible. So you can, the, the five-year period is only there for gifting and it, it, it doesn't, you know, there's ways that if we need to get some fractional ownership in these LLCs, which means more than just mom and dad, we can do that even if we think we were going to be in that five-year period in, in, in any short time. Okay, fair enough. And then Jumping back, you said like your LLC would be, or the land would be your first LLC that you would establish. As I'm sure we might get into this discussion, but if you have a truck or a tractor or something that. Yep. 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 The number two would be semi trucks. Okay. Semi trucks. And, and it's probably a tie. I don't know. It, I say the, the, I say the farm from a, from a global package is where I would start. If I had to start with liability, I'd start with semi-trucks. Because number one, you don't, if you're running farm plates, you don't have to be DOT inspected. You don't have to have a CDL. Okay? And you can imagine if something happens with that truck, you're sitting, you find yourself sitting in court with you know, one of the attorneys on TV grilling you, and they bring up the fact that you didn't have a CDL. Well, I didn't have to. Yeah, but you weren't, you weren't trained to drive that truck, were you? Okay. Or did you get that truck DOT inspected? No, don't have to. Well, that truck, that should have been DOT inspected though, to, to, to know to be safe. It doesn't go very well. Okay. And usually when there's a truck accident involved, I don't think it's a big secret that somebody usually dies. Right. I mean, that's just how it is. And so I think the trucking LLC is, is a no brainer. I mean, why you would want to send trucks out on the road with your skimpy insurance policy, not DOT inspected, not CDL, and you're telling me you think that there's nothing bad, that it can't have a bad ending, okay? Your worst day in court will be you lose your trucks if you have an LLC. That's usually your worst day in court, okay? Or that's what we're trying to gear up. So we want the we want the the trucking LLC, and then the machinery. You know, there's a I don't have to tell anybody this. 
there's a phenomenal amount of value in machinery, okay? And so, and it's out on the road. So the third, you know, of the three LLCs are fold assets, we want the machinery into LLC, machinery LLC, okay? Now, that's a good, that's a very good start, you know? The final piece is get the farm set up as an LLC, the farm operation. If you're a sole proprietor, if it's just John Schwartz out there farming, I've got all my assets at risk. I hit somebody on the road. I spill a thousand gallons of 28 in the ditch and cause a fish kill and millions of dollar fine for my dam. That's on me personally. That's going to infect all my assets uh, personally. When you have a farm LLC, you know, you have Happy Valley Farms, that's the entity that gets sued, okay? Now, we just talked about we don't want the farm operation owning very much at all, and, and we don't. It's going to lease the land from the, the farm LLC, the land from the LLC, excuse me. It's going to lease the land from the um, machinery LLC. It's going to lease the trucks. So you tell me, if you're, farm op if you're farming and you spill, you know, a thousand gallons of 28 in a ditch and a huge fine, what does your land holding company have to do with that? What does your machinery company have to do with that? And what does your trucking company have to do with that? Usually nothing. It is the farm entity, operating entity that, that did that. That's the one that gets sued. So with, with a four LLC setup, bringing it all together, you have a farm operating LLC and then you have these three holding companies. It gives you a, an amount of protection that I don't think you can get anywhere else. Because even if you have insurance coverage, you know, again, like I said earlier, there's all, always that risk, A, they go above your coverage, or B, the insurance company denies it. These LLCs are, are, are pretty pretty bulletproof. You know, I'll, I, I, I post in different farm groups and I always have to chuckle because people always got a comment. Okay? There's always the experts out there. And, you know, I, routinely over the years, I've heard, well, I know an attorney has said, you know, any good attorney can get around an LLC, you know, can really in court get around that. Okay. Well, why is GM an LLC now with 42 LLC subsidiaries? Why is Chrysler an LLC now? Okay. Why is Amazon an LLC? And who's this good attorney, you know, Perry Mason, you know, Matlock, who, who, who you know, if it, if it was just that simple where you go in and you, oh, okay, you know, no. Most states are very... Unless you show that, you know, you're just not doing the things you're supposed to do, you know, having your meetings and keeping the company separate and separate checking accounts, yeah, there's a list, then they're not going to break through that LLC, okay? And so I, I, I hear that quite often, and I think, I, I think that type of those comments like that, I can't help but think is why people, farmers may not have embraced the LLC more. Because they think that, well, you know, this thing won't hold up in court. Okay. I've never seen an LLC not hold up in court. And I've done this job 16 years.
Yeah, and that was where I was going to go next. Is like you mentioned earlier on, eighty-five percent of farm operations are still sole proprietorships. Outside of that reason you just gave, what other reasons are farmers you think not LLCs as their operation? I always laugh and I tell this. You know, there's two words that send farmers to the door: right? taxes and paperwork. Any of those two words, they're up and out of there. I think, number one, people say, oh, this is going to be so much more paperwork. No, it's really not. Because the way I set it up, the way we lease from the other companies, 99% of what you do is going to come out of that farm operating um, LLC, it's, i.e. its checkbook. Okay? The, the land company, you know, it's going to pay real estate taxes. Well, you're going to be paying that anyways uh, out, out of some account. It's going to pay, um, you know, for improvements, mortgage. The, the holding companies have very little activity. And in fact, I found when, as, as, as my farm grew, it, it was actually helpful having the separate entities because I could z really zero in and say, okay, what did, what did this machinery cost me? And what did this company make? My farm operation was paying rent. But I had these repairs. I had I needed these upgrades. So what the, what was that? I could capture that machinery cost right there. I could capture the trucking cost. And I think people once they do it a year and they come up, you know, I don't care if you're using FarmWorks, QuickBooks. I mean, I have every my clientele everywhere from the fold-out paper, you know, uh, ledgers to sophisticated software, and everywhere in between is, is what people use. And I tell people, I don't care what you're using. I'll show you how to make it easy. And the majority of the people have told me, vast majority, that, you know, once they did it a year, they found it really, it, 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 it was kind of like riding a bike. Yeah, you fell down a couple times when you started doing it, but now you can ride it and it's actually better. So I think to answer that question is farmers believe that the, the paperwork is going to be too much. Um, number two, I think cost. Okay, let's talk cost. I usually tell people that when you have to buy a large tire nowadays, let's say you blow a tire on your spreader, you know, your spreader truck, or if you got a big tire on a combine, you know, I think I spent $4,000 on a tire one time. Okay. And you don't think twice about doing it because you need the tire. You grumble about it. You should be able to do this plan for about the cost of a, of a large tire. Okay, so I tell people jokingly, please make me worth a tire. <laughs> please make me, please make my services at least worth a tire, because I, I can, I can, I can tell. You know, I had clients that went to a seminar and it was going to be ten thousand dollars. Farmers are not going to spend ten thousand dollars on this. Okay, I don't sell anything fun. I don't sell anything that's going to get you twenty more bushels of corn per acre, or you know, auto steer that makes it easier. And I sell paper and ideas that ultimately will help you. But you leave, you know, that's it. All you see is paper. Okay, and and so basically, I tell people, you know, for three to five thousand dollars, which is the cheapest. I mean, it's the cheapest insurance you'll ever buy. You can do these plans and you don't have to spend ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. I got a call from the other day. Well, it was a group out in Iowa that they, you know, they they do this stuff and estate planning. And it, it was they interview all the family members and they come out and they do all these things. And that's great. 
their initial their initial was fifteen thousand dollars. Okay. And I can tell you that these groups that do that, you're gonna see thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. You don't need to do all that, okay? I mean, fortunately, with my farm background, I, I can I've seen every about every sort of farm estate plan you can imagine. I've been through it with my family. All right, when someone comes in, I don't even talk farm estate planning because we got to get the farm set up right first. If I had mom and dad sit here in the room and say, "Okay, what's fair and how who we're going to leave the what and all that," that'd be I don't know if we'd get it done in a week. Okay. But as soon as we start breaking the farm up, then it really opens the door for the farm estate planning. So I think that cost, um, you know, cost has been another thing. And number two, I think people just don't understand. It. People, people grew up with corporations. The LLC didn't come about until 1988 when the state of Wyoming, why Wyoming, I have no idea, um, invented, basically invented the LLC. They merged a partnership and a corporation. together. So it's those three things. I think it's the fear of the cost. It's they don't know what an LLC is, and they you know they, you hear all these rural legends about you know why why you know oh it's not going to help that much so on and so forth. Yeah, and I know good corporations I hear from farmers. Oh yeah, we incorporated back in the '90s, and then things just didn't work out or things happened. Um, so I think it's some of those fears are just the unknowns on the LLCs. And in your experience on the cost side, what's is there much? And I know you kind of hit on it, ongoing costs. Is the CPA going to charge any more to do the returns with several LLCs? Kind of how do you, what's your experience with that? Okay. I am, um, one of the nice things about this setup is when you're a farmer and you're actively farming, you pay self-employment tax. Okay. If you're working in town for somebody, your employer pays half and you pay half. But when you're self-employed, you get the joy of paying your full self-employment tax. I'm 45 years old. I'm not going to hold out that Social Security is going to be there for me. I feel like every dollar that I'm paying in the Social Security is going to some hole that I'm never going to see. Maybe other people feel differently. That's fine. I usually think that if you're 30, forget it. You know, 35, if you're younger than me, it's already almost, you know, it's just not going to happen. So the question I ask people, and I'm, I'm going to take a long way around the barn on this with you. Uh, it won't be too long because I, then I'll, I'll, I'll circle into your question is, do you want to keep more of your money now or do you want to send it to Washington, D.C.? In 16 years, no one has ever said they want to send more money to Washington, D.C. I would probably tell their person they're nuts. I can't help them. Okay. Um, so when you pay rent over to your land LLC, okay, if you've got your farm operation and I tell people, I got to have, you got to be in, I need you to have a new landlord next year yourself. When you pay money over to that landholding LLC, that money is not subject to self-employment tax. Okay. It goes from active to passive income. I'll give you an example. I had a young couple that I set them up like this last year. It saved them $27,000 in taxes last year. Okay. Now, if you tell me I can save $27,000 in taxes setting up some LLCs, I'm setting up some LLC, okay? Um, so yes, if the LLC is a, if both husband and wife are in that LLC, it is a partnership and the CPA will need to do a return. Okay, if you can save five, 10, 27, I mean, I had people when times were really high back in 2012, you know, when grain prices, 
I had people saving fifty, sixty thousand dollars. All right. So you tell me, you know, do you mind paying your your CPA some more to do some returns if you can save that type of money? Okay. We all know what the answer is. So the um, your CPA, there'll be there'll be more of a charge there. Because I, I always tell people, okay, I'm not one of these guys that sit here and tell you how great things are, and then it's an oh by the way later on. Here's a couple of the drawbacks. Number one, you're gonna pay your CPA some more money. Number two, you're going to have to have a bank account for all these LLCs. Doesn't mean you got to keep a lot of money in it. And I and I always tell clients, look, I've got flow charts, I've got cheat sheets. I I, I set you up where you you can walk through step by step. Number three is you have to file, you know, every two years with the state. Costs I think I don't that my staff handles it, but it's like thirty five bucks. And what I do is I tell people, you know, there's a there's an LLC minute book. Each LLC should have a minute book that has all the meeting minutes in it, resolutions, membership, okay? Because if you're ever sued, they want to see that you are conducting yourself as a company. I have all the time people come in here and they get on LegalZoom or somewhere else and they set up an LLC and great, I'm an LLC. Then they come in here, I'm like, well, what was your book? What book? You know? And I can't believe one of the worst things I see in the legal industry is where practitioners, they just, they, they don't make people have this book and it's up to, up to speed or up to date and all that. So for a whopping 75 bucks a year, okay, my office maintains those books. I send you, because no one will remember, hardly anybody remembers to have their yearly meeting. So we send out a questionnaire, what'd you do? And then we put resolutions together. I feel like if I if I counsel people to set up LLCs, then I don't want to just send them out in the wilderness. You know, these books get lost; they don't get updated. I mean, I had the other day a corporation something set up in the seventies. People haven't had a meeting in twenty years. Right? And I'm like, you imagine if you're in the going to court with this, and oh well, you have no meeting in twenty years. You got no resolutions where you pass to do anything. Yet you bought all this equipment and did all this. I mean, that they're they're gonna they will pierce through that company. They will get to the owners of, of that company. So for seventy five bucks a year, I, I keep people legal. Something like in, you know when the tax change came in two thousand sixteen under Trump, I had to send out documents to redo their operating agreements. And, and most clients, you know, the benefit they're getting for, is far in excess of what they pay me to maintain books. And we maintain about seven hundred LLC books for farmers. Uh, we have a whole whole fireproof room full of them, and uh, we, we keep people legal. So to me, if you can stomach having a checkbook for the LLCs, paying your accountant more, paying me some each year for maintaining the books, that's really the – I really don't see any other downside, if you will, besides that. Yeah, that's good. And just jumping in, I'm sure a lot of people hear you keep saying this meeting, and I believe that's just every LLC needs to have an annual board meeting say it is they do but i tell people let's say you and your wife are sitting there at the table and you look out and say you know i think we're going to trade combines this year well that's a that's a capital purchase there should be some sort of meeting and resolution passed to do that okay i tell people if you're going to paint the barn you know, you don't need a meeting. That's like that's like every that's like normal course of business. But if you're buying ground or machinery or this, 
Now, no one, okay, maybe, maybe I have like out of the 700 or so, five clients, will have a meeting to do that. You know, you're busy. That's the last thing you're thinking. So what I do at the end of the year is I send out, when we send out the meeting the, to, to have clients do the meeting minutes, I ask what you did. And then we, we pass resolutions to ratify those things that you did in the year that were a big purchase, which is perfectly fine. You, you, you did it as the officers of the company. Now the entire company is ratifying that combine purchase, that land purchase. That way anybody, you know, these books are ever looked at and they will be subpoenaed. When, when there is a lawsuit, they, they do get subpoenaed. You can show, boom, we were conducting ourselves as a company. If you can do that, then they cannot pierce through and get, get to you personally as the owners. I guess kind of as we are closing things down here, is there anything else that we've missed that you'd like to cover starting LLCs and kind of their benefits? I think that um, as, as far as the benefits, you know, I, I, I think that people have to realize there's more than just the liability protection. It really is a four-legged milk stool, okay? Number one, liability protection. Number two, succession planning. Number three, taxes. Number four, long-term uh, long planning, you know, i.e. the nursing home and Medicaid. I don't know. If I set someone up with a trust, it doesn't do all that. If I put somebody a will together, it doesn't do all that. To me, I don't know of any other, especially for a farm, any other type of entity that can touch so many parts of what's important to a farm operation and give so much benefit. I mean, when the LLC came out, it, it was a real game changer. And I think that for, for farmers especially, because most businesses do not have the asset level that farms do. As you and I know, farms are asset heavy, income flow low, okay? And it's just a different animal. That's, that's a, you know, most businesses operate to get a good return on investment, right? Some people may differ with me when I say this, but one has to wonder, is farming a good return on investment? When you have $5 million worth of assets, let's say, and you made $150,000, was that a good return? Well, probably not, okay? But most of us aren't farming for a return on investment, right? We're farming because it's our way of life and we love it and family too, okay? So that's where I think it really differs. And I think that the LLC really shines with uh, to helping the farms because they are so asset heavy. Um, the uh, I, I tell people that it's something that it's going to be different, okay? Because we're always used to us being the farmer. Well, when John Schwartz, a farmer, sets up, let's say, you know, Happy Valley Farms, I'm not the farmer anymore. I'm the owner of the LLC that owns a farm. And I think people have to switch that in their brain. But over the years, I've told people, I mean, I believe in enough. I see what I did for my farm. I mean, there's a reason. There, there's a little bit of a reason we were, I was able to go from 500 acres to 4,000 acres in the time that we did. I think the LLC has played a big part in that. But I tell people after a year, if you don't like this, no problem. I'll refund the money. I'll undo everything. We'll put you right back to where you are. No harm, no foul. And it doesn't happen. 
doesn't happen. Cool statement from somebody. I mean, you're going to spend hours and thousand dollars of revenue, and you'll give it back if it's not going to work out. You have that uh, stamp approval and everything. Oh yeah, I believe it. I believe in it that much because because I don't want someone. You know, it, it's just. I see what I did for my farm, and I know what people, the, the general response is, wow, John, I wish we would have met with up a few years ago. And I've got no problem if people say, you know, John, this LLC, it's just not for me, no problem. Here's the money back. That's how much I believe in it. That's how much I believe in it. Awesome stuff. And so if people's got more questions or want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach out to you and find you? Just go to thefarmlawyer.com, www.thefarmlawyer.com. Everything's there. You can see my background. You can see what we do, how to contact us. Yeah. We'll put that down in the show notes for everyone to reach out easily um, for that. And uh, well, thanks, John. Thanks for coming on. It's been a Anytime. Great time. I'm on here and meeting you today. Uh, yeah. On your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you for the time. We've enjoyed it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Indiana Ag Shop Talk. Hope you guys took some great notes. A lot of pieces in there that you guys can take back to your farm. Whether you're calling John or using your attorney, I think it's something you guys need to look into. And uh, please join us on the next episode. Until next time, thank you.